Welcome to Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly. I'm Bishop Tom Daly, the seventh bishop of the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington State. Joining us actually today at our show is Father Luke Thompson. Father Luke Thompson, as you may recall, our listening audience um, was with me as well as Father uh, Paul Herrick and Father David Cruz, who were in college ministry. Those men continue in that. But Father Luke Thompson has recently become the pastor of St. Peter's Parish here in Spokane. He left Washington State after a very successful uh, career there, and now he continues to serve God's people in eastern Washington. So, Father Luke Thompson, welcome. Oh, thank you, Bishop. It's great to be with you. Tell me, uh, how was your first weekend at uh, St. Peter's Parish? Well, I must say I'm loving it. It was difficult to leave St. Thomas More and the work with the young people there. Uh, but after saying a goodbye to them and getting into the new parish and beginning to meet people, I've uh, become uh, just really fallen in love with the place and the people. I feel like they've, they've uh, embraced me, and I'm really looking forward to the future there and uh, being with them. There, I know that uh, I received already a letter uh, of a parishioner praising you. They, they said there is a, different, a, di- a difference in the size between Father Jeff Lewis and Father Luke Thompson. And they did appreciate that you're still, though, youthful. They saw you driving a mini bike, which I didn't even know they still sell, but I evidently in Spokane, you were seen on 29th Avenue coming from Trader Joe's. So right. anyway, um, yes. I know a, a gallon of milk is necessary, but at 5 a.m. <laughs> is a little unusual. <laughs> Father Thompson recently completed, was awarded a doctorate, which uh, is a, a very well-deserved degree. He finished his degree uh, after studies I- in Rome, at the Lateran, I believe, and um, it was on Augustine. So a little bit about why you chose uh, St. Augustine, a little bit of his background, uh, the emphasis on your, your, um, your uh, thesis and um, how, a dissertation, and um, how it's so necessary uh, today, his message, timeless. So a little bit about, number one, uh, why St. Augustine, your, your studies at the Lateran, um, your theme for your dissertation, and, and its practicality for today. Sure. So, uh, thank you, Bishop. Uh, when I was first at Bishop White Seminary in college, I began taking a course at Whitworth on the history of Christianity One, and we began to look at the history of the early church. And I was fascinated by the way in which the early church, immediately after the apostles, the, the scriptures were, um, were brought together, were written, that the church looked so Catholic, that the church looked so similar to what it looks like today. And one of our professors told the story of St. Augustine, and in particular, his conversion, and how he was brought to life in Christ, and how that journey continued to grow and to take root in his life. And so I was fascinated by Augustine, and uh, in particular, his opening pages of his confessions, which were essentially his autobiography where he says, Our hearts are restless, O Lord. You have created us for yourself. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And I was really taken by, by that. And uh, so I've really, since my time in the seminary, have studied 
Augustine. I read the confessions on a number of occasions through retreats. And then I specialized in studying the fathers of the church while in Rome in the seminary. And then early on after ordination in the diocese, one of our priests, Father Patrick Harton, underwent surgery and asked me if I could take his course at Gonzaga on Christian spirituality. And there he said, uh, you'll love it because I'm only asking you to teach the section on Augustine and the Confessions. And so going back into the Confessions as a priest uh, with that pastoral experience really reenkindled, I guess reignited that love for that early period in the church's history. And so that actually began a process of uh, beginning a doctorate, which took seven years. Uh, it was something that I did um, in the mornings, kind of on my uh, spare time, and really the, the fruits of it have uh, become a doctorate now, this dissertation that I did at, at the Lateran. Did you begin uh, your work when you were up in Okanagan? Uh, is that, was that where it was, or before that? That's right. So I was, yeah. I was in Spokane, where I first... Uh, I was at Assumption where I first began mm -hmm. going back through the confessions, and then it was when I went to Omak, Okanagan, mm -hmm. that I began the, the process formally of the, the dissertation. And then you uh, defended it. When were you in Rome for the defense? The defense was in February, this okay. past February, yeah. and it was a really a glorious event. Uh, it had to all be in Italian, which was quite daunting. I hadn't mm -hmm. spoken Italian for a number of years but I was able to get people to help translate it. And I really, frankly, I asked for people to really uh, intercede for me and mm -hmm. to pray. And it all came together. They were very happy with it. And the Italian came, at, came out, and, and I was able to uh, When you When you studied it. at Rome, did you study at the Angelicum or the Greg? There's Angelicum yeah. with the Dominicans. And then the Lateran uh, is where you, you that's the school that where you were working on your doctorate, correct? That's right, yeah. yeah. Between that, I went to an institute called the Augustinianum, which mm -hmm. specializes in studying Augustine in particular, and also the other fathers of the church. Mm -hmm. Very yeah, good. So. And the theme for your uh, doctoral dissertation, what sure. was it? So the theme for the dissertation was this, that Augustine, after his initial conversion in 386 sees his relationship with God as individualistic, very much the self-seeking God. So he'll say something like, I desire to seek God and the soul and nothing more. That is what he wrote in his mm -hmm. soliloquies in 387. Now, by the time he writes the Confessions 11 years later in 397, he is a bishop. Mm -hmm. And as he writes the Confessions... He is praising God. The confessions are actually a long prayer. They begin, great are you, O Lord, and they end with amen. Mm -hmm. The confessions are a work that you could, you could simply continue to read. You could go through each page, come to the end, and then begin again. It's this cyclical type of prayer. It's fascinating. They're, they're marvelous. And so by the time Augustine writes the confessions, he sees God all over in his life, how God is actually reaching out to him. So he'll say things like, you nourished me, Lord, through my mother Monica's milk. You showed me that the Old Testament could be interpreted allegorically through the teaching of your servant 
Ambrose. You consoled me with friendship with Olypius. You, it's continual. There's just this, it's like you read through the confessions and you're just bombarded with this. You see this, he's praising God, he's adoring the Lord, and he's giving thanks to him for having used all of these other human beings as instruments to draw him to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to himself, to the Lord. And so what my dissertation was looking at was where exactly does this change occur in Augustine? How is it that someone could go from an individualistic spirituality to one which sees the necessity of the other in the spiritual life? And so in order to do that, my thesis director said, you're going to have to read all of Augustine's writings in an 11-year period, and you need to read them in chronological order, which we can do, by the way, because Augustine, at the end of his life, told us precisely what he wrote and when he wrote it. And so I had to go through and look at these various texts and then draw out themes Mm -hmm. to see where does this change occur? How does it occur? Why does it occur? Where is this? With the real desire to look at that, to look at Augustine's journal of a soul, in a sense, and to see, wow, is this perhaps implications that can be drawn in our own lives? And where did you find that shift occurring? Uh, where was it? And, and, and because, again, I, so much of what um, you're writing, your, your insight into Augustine's life seems... Not to say, is timely for this increasing shift in a relatively short period of time of people who are beginning to say it's about me and God, if they even admit there's a God in their life. The shift from the communal dimension, whether it is the, the congregation, the parish, the assembly, uh, the school community, the parish in a sense, this shift that we don't need that. So how did you see Augustine moving away from this individualistic approach to the community? What, what was, was there a point in time? Was there a conversion moment? Uh, what was it? Was there a person? As I read through these texts in Augustine, I found that a number of themes were surfaced, a number of texts which pointed to the importance of the other. And so I found things like intercessory prayer. Mm. I need you to pray for me, and somehow, some way, through your petitions my sufferings are alleviated. Fraternal correction. I Mm. need you to intervene in my life, but for your intervention, I would be going in a particular direction. The process of conversation, for example, through this dialogue, somehow, some way, the truth is elucidated or is um, clearly now able to be shown. And what I found in looking at all of these various texts and kind of charting them out was that there were three moments in Augustine's life that I argue were pivotal in his seeing the importance of the other Mm -hmm. in the spiritual life. The first was his surprise ordination to the priesthood. Today we prepare for the priestly ordination and then we're ordained after a long period of time. In Augustine's day, men were ordained to the priesthood as needed, and Augustine was ordained in 391 in a surprise ordination. But what I found was that after his ordination to the priesthood, there was an explosion of references to the importance of the other. And so I believe that through his living out the priestly life Mm -hmm. ministry, we'd say, he saw the importance of others and how 
God was actually using them as instruments to, to draw others uh, to himself. I also found um, a, in some of the dialogue the letters that Augustine had with this Paulinus of Nola, who was a bishop uh, contemporaneous mm -hmm. with Augustine, that they had uh, quite an impact on each other. And Paulinus uses a lot of the language um, that Augustine will use in the Confessions, that Augustine mm -hmm. will adopt in the Confessions. And then I want to tell you about the third thing. Uh, when we get back from our break. That's right. Thank you, Father Luke Thompson here, talking about Augustine, St. Augustine, the great saint, the topic of his dissertation, and its applications to our life today in Eastern Washington. Welcome back. We're interviewing Father Luke Thompson about uh, St. Augustine. Uh, he has completed, as you heard earlier in the first half of our show, his dissertation, uh, his doctorate dissertation on um, St. Augustine. And he, he was, we were left at the break before we had to go back to our sponsor, Chipmunk Acres uh, Trailer Park <laughs> and RV um, of Endicott, Washington. Uh, before we broke, you had given us the two points of significance of, of uh, this shift in St. Augustine. We were waiting uh, for the third. So what is that third moment in Augustine's life where he, this change occurs? The third moment, I think, Bishop, is the actual crafting of the confessions themselves. Mm -hmm. Augustine sets out to write this long prayer to God. He, he writes it in such a way that it's a different genre of literature than the rest of his writings. As I mentioned, for the dissertation, I had to read all of the writings up to the confessions in this chronological order. And when I picked up the confessions, I almost had to ask, is this from the same person? Because mm -hmm. it is this prayer, but it is drenched in sacred scripture. I mean, you look at this and you're drawn into his life and into prayer. And I found that in the confessions, there is this, there are numerous references to the importance of the other in the spiritual life. So Augustine will see the hand of God really everywhere at work in his life. And uh, through this reading of Augustine's Confessions and also um, looking at some contemporary philosophers, I was struck by a passage that I found in the Danish existentialist Soren Kierkegaard. He said, we have to live life forwards, but we only understand it backwards. Mm -hmm. We've got to live life forwards but it only makes sense in retrospect. And I began to look at the confessions in that way. The confessions have captivated the imagination. People are constantly reading the confessions. There are dozens of translations of Augustine's confessions that people can pick up at any bookstore, Amazon.com, whatever that is, these, uh, these places that you can get the, the confessions, and that's just in the English language. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're translated into all sorts of other um, languages. People are fascinated with reading the story of Augustine. On many levels, Augustine becomes probably the most prominent example in the earliest centuries of the church of a total conversion. Monica, his mother, whose feast day is August 27th, Augustine's is the 28th. As you well know, 
it would be Monica who prayed for her son's uh, conversion. And uh, again, Father Thompson would probably know the exact quote, but it wasn't essentially God finally tells Monica, talk to me more about your son, talk to your son less about me, because look kind of, you know, keep praying for him, but don't nag him. And, um, but yet he becomes through this conversion, which is, and typically in all of our lives in the great sense, there are multiple conversions that occur. The first is a a discovery of God asking something more. Then when a priest, a young man or a young woman says yes, then there's even the deeper. And as they grow in their awareness of, of God's providential plan for them, there is on one sense balancing the regret, why did I ever spend so much of my life away from God? And yet, now that I've embraced it, it seems there's so little time to do what the Lord's asked. And I, we see that in Augustine. And, and um, you know, in our parish, we have St. Augustine's Parish here. That's actually Father Mee's parish. Uh, but Augustine maybe has touched the lives of people they might know loosely if you're into basketball, the uh, Villanova University is an Augustinian oh, university. Sure. But as far as actually uh, Augustine, uh, one of the things that I think in your dissertation that really is, is necessary today for us to reflect on is bearing one another's burdens. And can you um, maybe talk a little bit about that? You know, what does it mean to bear another's burden, to care about someone at a time when, again, this individualistic approach to so much of life, it's about me, you know, that old line, enough about me, now you talk about me. Sure. So a little bit about maybe, uh, again, the relevancy of Augustine, but just take that area, bearing one's burdens. Uh, Sure, so I found in a marvelous way that after looking at all of these texts, was able to surface 16 different ways in which the other or others are important in the spiritual life in Augustine. And so we move from intercessory prayer um, through aid, assistance, Mm -hmm. fraternal correction, preaching Mm -hmm. through the sermon. I have now been drawn uh, to the Lord in a a new way, healing, Mm -hmm. teaching, and all the way to bearing one another's burdens, which is kind of the culmination of the, the dissertation. And Augustine, I believe, found that passage in St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. In Galatians 6, Paul cries out, he says, let us bear one another's burdens. Mm-hmm. And so Augustine will examine that passage, and he actually says in a in really a beautiful way, he tells a story. He says, you know, we must bear one another's burdens and we should look to the deer. And he says, I'm told that when deer cross a channel, they swim in such a way that the they rest their antlers upon the backs of other deer. And they swim in such a way that they are able to make their way across this channel. And when the one in front gets tired, he will move to the back of the line and then will rest his antlers upon the one before him. And together, they are able to make it to this uh, lush Mm -hmm. ground. And Augustine says, let us bear one another's burdens in this life so that we may attain that life where there are no burdens. Mm-hmm. 
it's really a, a marvelous passage. And so Augustine loved the, the notion of, of bearing uh, another's burdens. Another uh, topic that I think is, again, so important for our, our uh, people today is the quote, is church within walls alone. Can you kind of explain to that? Because there is such a, a thought now that, uh, especially whenever you live in a beautiful part of the country, I, um, I, I find God on the top of the mountain. I find God at the ocean. I find God, uh, you know, in, when I'm hiking in the beauty of creation. It, it's the, the, the concern about outdoor weddings. Oh, it's so beautiful if we're sure. married in a barn in the wine country. But we never get married outside a smelting plant uh, somewhere in Altoona. <laughs> uh, so what is that? So, but talk about God sure. within the walls, a little bit about can, the context of that and why that's important. And again, something very relevant of Augustine 1,600 years ago yet today. Sure, yeah. yeah, I think we've all experienced that, um, our friends or members of our families, where they're, they're seeking God on their own terms, mm -hmm. in their own way. I find God um, at the ski resort, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, but there, in Augustine, we see that at one point in the Confessions, two figures... Simplicianus, who was a priest living in Milan, and Marius Victorinus, who was a North African, uh, a rhetorician, was having a, a conversation. And Simplicianus tells Marius Victorinus um, that if if he is to be a if he is to be a Christian, then he must um, he must enter into the life of the church. And Marius Victorinus tells Simplicianus, "Well, no, I've." I've already become a Christian. I've accepted these these beliefs, and Simplicianus says, "I will not believe until I see you in the church." And Marius Victorinus says, "Well, is it the walls that make a Christian?" And for Augustine, in a real way, yes, mm. it is that one must enter through the waters of the saving sacrament of baptism. Mm -hmm. One must be anointed with the chrism of salvation, confirmation. One must feast upon the sacred body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Lord. One must enter now into this body of Christ, this corporal, human um, community, this, this body. And it's a, it's a mixed um, body. Mm -hmm. Augustine um, loved the image of the wheat and the tares, that there are, um, in the church, there are those that are seeking the face of God, mm -hmm. and there are those that are in the life of the church, or in the church, uh, for their own their own reasons. And ours right now is not to judge, but in the end, it is the Lord that will do the separation. It's um, It's been said that Perhaps the Confessions were, would be the first autobiography. Is that is that true, or is that just is that an insight that you received when you were at, at the Lateran? That's right. Yeah, yeah, really, they're the first autobiography in Western mm -hmm. literature, and Augustine really sparked a new literary genre that people would pick up. And even today, we love to read mm -hmm. autobiographies. We're fascinated with the the stories of others. And if you think about it in many ways, it's, it's fascinating that someone would talk about themselves and yet we would be so wrapped in 
um, and uh, in, in, in an utter desire to hear more, you know, but they're talking about themselves. And uh, so Augustine begins this whole process, I think, because when we hear another tell their story, we're able to see somehow, some way, um, our lives in, in theirs. Have you considered writing your autobiography? No, I haven't. No, I, that Paul Herrick, I don't think it would uh, sell. Has, Father Paul Herrick is working on his uh, oh my. Padre Paul and the story of a perky pug named Pepper. I'd buy it. Yeah. It's, in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, he has an imprimatur already for it. Uh, <laughs> and there's the movie version. Um, what translation of the uh, confessions would you recommend to our listening audience? Yeah, it's a great question. I think there's a lot of English translations out there. The, perhaps the best now is by Maria Bolding, and she was a Benedictine nun mm -hmm. in England. She passed away a few years ago, but she had a remarkable understanding of the Latin language and then a great um, literary ability to craft that into the English language. Mm -hmm. And so I would recommend Maria Bolding's translation, and you can get that from Ignatius Press. Great. Uh, as I said, the Feast of Monica is the 27th, and all uh, wives and moms out there who pray for their children, please keep that in mind. And the Feast of Augustine is the 28th, and I would say especially young men who um, may be feeling perhaps uh, a call to a deeper relationship with the Lord, even a priestly call, ask for Augustine's intercession, because with God all things are possible. And the, again, the quote from the uh, preface of Martyrs of the older translation, you choose the weak and make them strong and bearing witness to you. And that's been the life of Augustine. Father Luke Thompson, thank you for your work. Uh, thank you uh, for all you do, and may God bless you. Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly is a production of the Catholic Diocese of Spokane. Walking to Faith is produced and edited by Mitchell Palmquist. It can be heard on Sacred Heart Radio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcasting apps.